This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, it's that time for another episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. We've got a lot of topics to talk about tonight. We also talk about things Tesla, Model 3, maybe some other stuff just thrown in there for fun. So let's get the show on the road. I want to welcome my usual guest here tonight. We have Eric Camacho. Eric, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing well. Hello, world. Excellent. Nice to see you again. We also have Michael Bodner, as usual. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks, Trevor. How are you? I am very well. I'm in good spirits today. We'll get into that a little bit later. And last but not least, we have Ian Pavelko from Montreal. How are you doing there, Ian? Bonsoir tout le monde. I'm doing well. Hope you all are too. Excellent. Well spoken like a true French Canadian. <laughs> a fake one. I'm, I'm actually Anglo-French Canadian. It really confuses people. Well, me, me too. And, and, and it's yeah. just one of those things that happens. Anyhow, let's get into it tonight. Our lead story, Mr. Camacho like Mr. Bodner last week, had a chance to drive the Performance Model 3. So, Eric, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your experience? Oh, thanks, Trev. So, like Michael last week, uh, this car is an incredible car to drive. Uh, first, we have uh, the white-on-white performance car uh, at my closest Tesla location, and it is a sight to behold. I mean, if you haven't had a scene a white-on-white car for a bit, I mean, I'm, Trevor... Obviously, loves his car. Um, but a white and white Model 3 is so, so nice to look at. So we first get into the car and sit down, and you just have this feeling of it just, it's the most incredible thing you've seen from that front perspective. And granted, I've been driving my Model 3 now for four months, and I sat in this car, and it felt entirely different being in the car with the white dash and just the entire interior. Uh, So then we go ahead and turn on the car, and, you know, everything seems fine at first, and then I just start driving out of its parking spot, and immediately you can feel the difference in this car. Um, The power is just waiting to be unleashed and unfurled uh, to the world. So... (laughs) We, we take the car out for uh, for a good stretch, and it's, we're in parking lot speeds. We're going really no greater than 25 or 30 miles an hour. And then I had a chance to take it on to our nearby interstate, and at that point, when we're accelerating from the on-ramp to get to highway speed, I mean, I think I blinked, and it was already going uh, 70 miles an hour. So it really accelerates very quickly. Uh, it's just an incredible smooth transition uh, from city speeds to highway speeds. And then once we were coasting, I mean, it was just so, so quiet and subtle. Um, it, it's just, a, if you ever get a chance to drive any one of these cars, even if you can't afford it, get into it, experience it. It's just amazing. And it handled turns smooth as silk i mean it was just it's one of those things where you know my car is that rear motor it's it's still great on its own but man that dual motor the performance caliber brakes it just decelerates so quickly and so smooth you don't feel yourself jerking over and just for fun at one point we were at a traffic light and i wanted to have a chance to really unleash it let it go zero to 60 and um i remember the passenger in the car i said are you ready and he's like (laughs) yep and uh and so we just we just let it go. And I mean, we, ha- I mean, it's entirely plausible. We broke 3.5 and it, it just, it throws you back in the seat, but because of how plush and comfy the seats are, you're really, it's just, you want to experience that time and again, each and every time. So for having owned my car for four months and now had a chance to drive this car, um, I, have buyer's remorse in a way uh, <laughs> wishing wishing i could have waited to get in the performance car but for many a reason i'm glad i didn't but it is it is in my mind and i tweeted this out before you know if you've seen the fifth element uh you know uh Lilu, the character uh that's in the film multi-pass. she is de- yeah that's right multibus uh, she is deemed by many to be perfect this car, by and large, and this is a modest bias, I will gleefully admit, but it is, in my mind, the most perfect 
car I have ever sat in, seen, touched, driven. Uh, and I think for many people, it's going to be the finest car that's out there, period. Well, that can't be good for Tesla's bottom line, now can it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it? It better be the best thing on wheels ever made because I've sold my soul to get it. <laughs> and your house and your, your livelihood. Pretty much. All yeah. the money I should be putting away for retirement is going into this thing. It's it. I'm going to be living in a tent in 10 years, but hopefully with a smile on my face. Uh, just yeah, and just a, a question for you, uh, Ian. Uh, did, did, you, did you order the white interior or just stuck with the, the traditional black? No, as as I've told people, I can't have nice things. Oh, okay. Just wondering. No, no, me and white. Not <laughs> well, we know the color. I was just yeah. curious about the interior. Yeah, yeah. No, I stuck with the black. It's safer. And I think I think you know with the with the white interior, it looks great with the black accents and the carpeting in the back of the seats. I mean, it's still enough of a balance with the black and white in the car that it's just it really is a beautiful thing to see. And and I'm again those who were in the the lower class Model Three cloud who were like, all right, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the black for now. I can't get into the white. I wish the white was there. It really is something to see. And and uh, I, I can see why people like Trevor said, I'm getting the white interior. I really do like the white. Um, I, I do want to caution people, and I've said it many times before, if you have kids, you have uh, pets, or you don't like washing your car, uh, don't get the white seats. Uh, they're easy to clean. You just got to keep on top of them. Um, I mean, I've been all over the place with my car. We're rounding almost nine months with our car right now, and it still looks brand new. But then again, I take care of it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll say my piece about that. I do like the white. It's very stunning. Every time I open the doors, people are like, whoa, white. That's pretty cool. Anyhow, any other yeah. uh, parting thoughts on this before we move on? I, I want, like, I want to say thank you for, for you know, giving this, uh, this, you know, this uh, update here on the performance Model Three that you've driven. But I think Michael, you want to throw a little extra something in there, don't you? Yeah, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> that white on white performance Model Three that Eric was talking about that I spoke about last week. I'm going to have it Saturday after dinner until Sunday at lunchtime. Um, there's definitely going to be a video on my YouTube channel. And I would say, you know, shoot some questions over to Trev or to me on, on Twitter. Um, let me know what you guys would like to see or if there's any questions, anything I can measure, anything I can do. I'll have hours and hours and hours. And um, I'm not going to stop looking at those white seats. So anything <laughs> you want to know about them, just let me know. Probably shy of staining them with something to see how well they clean. But uh, anything else, I'm willing to I do. can come down and help you with that. <laughs> That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, if you uh, if you have any questions, um, you don't forget you you can tweet um, uh, Michael directly, or you can put them in the video comments down above. We all read the comments, so if you've got something, just uh, throw it in there, and I'm sure Michael will be glad to uh, to talk about that. And I do want to add one quick thing. Um, so this one little anecdote. I know someone who had a a P85D mm -hmm. and had a chance to drive the Performance Model Three, thinking the cars were modestly uh, similar, and he raved about how incredible the performance vehicle is. Uh, in the Model 3. Um, it's just, obviously, it's a smaller car. It's a lighter car. It's a little bit more nimble. But he said that if he could make the decision today between the two cars, he would go with the Model 3 performance car just because of how much he had a, a fun driving it. And he drives a performance 85D each and every day. Yeah, I have a feeling that the performance Model 3 is definitely going to eat into some sales of performance Model 3s, or uh, Model S's for sure. Oh, we got a dog. <laughs> Good thing my cat's not around. All right. Well, that's uh, that's excellent. We look forward to uh, your updates on on that, Michael. And uh, thanks for that report. Uh, I'm hoping to drive one soon, and Ian is too. So, uh, moving yes, along. I'm hoping to drive mine. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've talked about that. We're gonna we're gonna do something for you. Okay. So yeah. We'll figure yep. it out. Um, of course, uh, one of the other big pieces of news this week: uh, Marquez Brownlee, also known as MKBHD on YouTube. Interesting guy. I met him at the uh, uh, reveal event last, or no, delivery event last year because he had won that contest, uh, he managed to secure an interview with Elon Musk, and they did a little tour of the factory, which was kind of interesting. I thought it was uh, kind of a little disappointing in the fact, though, they didn't go anywhere near the Model 3 production line, because that's really where the, you know, the activity really is. Um, and my personal opinion, having seen the factory personally, and comparing the Model 3 production compared to what it what they were touring, which was essentially the S and X line, they're completely different animals. And I understand that Tesla's probably a little reticent about showing some of the stuff that's going on in the Model 3 at this point. But 
Um, still interesting, I think, for the average person who hasn't seen the factory in a while to see really what's going on. And um, also of interest, of course, is that um, Elon seemed to be in pretty good spirits because, of course, just a few days ago we had that big article come out in the New York Times that mm-hmm. really paint him in a bad color. Um, any thoughts on this? You guys had a chance to watch the video? Oh, yeah, I watched both uh, the factory tour and his interview with Elon. Um, My initial thoughts were, one, uh, it's great to geek out uh, into seeing the the engineering behind the whole production factory. Uh, Also seeing uh, the comparison between what he calls the the dumb bots and the smart robots. Um, You know, it's there's so much credit that needs to be given to Elon and his and his team of people for just exactly how much work they've put in in a very short time to get these lines where they're at. Uh, I mean, the factory is just enormous. I mean, you're, you're seeing a small portion of it, and we know we didn't see the, the general assembly lines for Model 3. So it just kind of gives you some perspective of just exactly how big the Fremont factory is and what they're able to do uh, just from area to area. I mean, you could spend 20 minutes listening to just Elon talk about each section they were in, and it's just like, so much goes into that. So much goes into why this box has this part on this shelf and what this person does here and, you know, why this is powered by people versus powered by robots and, you know, explain the whole entire thing. And he, he gave an example where if I had uh, two, let's say two pipes or two tubes or something that the robot could try to grab this one thing and then try to get the connections where a person could just go, oh, these connect right here. Um, so to hear it, to hear him kind of talk in those terms uh, was really great. And, and you pointed out, too, that he didn't seem exhausted or stressed. He seemed in good spirits and good health, well-rested. Um, I, I mean, I just think the whole, the whole, I think both videos together are about 30, 35 minutes. So if you get a chance to watch them, but um, I found it riveting. Uh, I, I thought it was fantastic and, and good for him to get the interview. And I think it's, um, it's a good, another insight into just how the production lines are set up there. Um, just to talk about your point, um, the one thing that I noticed in the interview that Elon seemed to spend an inordinate amount of time talking about automation and the robot situation, you know, the thing that you mentioned about grabbing cables and putting tubes together and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it's like, you can, you can tell in a lot of ways, I think he's kind of double thinking, um, or maybe second guessing their, their strategy about uh, the amount of automation that they want to do on the Model 3. Um, I remember there were articles last year um, when they were talking about, um, uh, there was an article, and I forget where the source was, and I apologize for that, uh, but they were talking about one of the engineers that they got from Audi, uh, Peter Hawk Holdinger, if I remember his name, and uh, in that article, he was talking about uh, one of the challenges that they had, of course, which was, uh, how do you design things like um, uh like a wiring harness in a car for a robot to be able to tackle. These were the kind of questions they were contemplating at the time. Obviously, you know, we haven't actually seen the the general assembly on the Model 3 quite at this point yet. I'm sure there's automation um, in, in a lot of different places. And he, he also alluded to the fact that, you know, they, they back down on some of their, their automation in, in terms of not trying to do too much uh, where humans could you know, could do better. Of course, that's one of the, one of the issues. I don't know. It just seems to be of interest that it's still fresh in his mind. He likes to talk about the situation. I do think that they will get there eventually, but, and one of the things that came to mind when I was watching that, when he was talking about, um, at one point he was saying, well, you know, how do you get a robot to pick up a part off of this cart and put it over here? So I think a lot of it comes down to needing more normalization. So if you're going to have parts being delivered where a robot needs to be able to pick up a part and put it in, you can't just have parts willy-nilly. And that's one of the things that if you ever get a chance to see the Tesla factory, of course, is that the Model S and X line, there's parts everywhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's no automation to bring things to the workstations. Uh, It's all done by carts and trolleys and, and, and by hand and boxes everywhere. So obviously they can't automate that kind of stuff on the S and X line because it's just, there's just no, it's willy-nilly. It's all over the place. So, I think, like I said, it, it's more towards, um, you know, concept of normalization. You know, do you, do, do you have, and, and it also, and I'm sorry about if I'm jumping around a little bit here because some of the stuff is coming into my mind. You know, there's that report too that they had put that very complex conveyor system uh, mm-hmm. into the Model 3 and of course they ripped it all out. So at what point do you, do you, you know, do you take what you've learned and put it into, into, um, into processes in the future? And at what point, like how far did you get? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm curious about is like, how far yeah. did they actually get in that process before they decided to back off and say, you know what, let's keep working on this. We'll put it off, off to the side and stuff. So 
And I think, you know, part of that is, you know, you can tell in all of his interviews, the the core message I gather from a lot of them is they want to really adhere to their mission of trying to expedite and really push the, you know, to accelerate the world to sustainable energy. And when you hear him talk about with the Model X, that that was their, their moment of hubris, mm-hmm. where they realized that they were kind of, they kind of veered off the path of what was originally supposed to happen, which is you build the Roadster, you build the Model S, and then go to the Model 3. And the Model X sort of in that pipeline said, oh, maybe we can, we can do this with the car. And they kind of veered off the path if you will for a bit and then that's where they realized wow we were having more problems than we would have solved so to to hear him talk in terms of no it, it's a great car we we think it's wonderful for xyz reasons but we also know where we kind of went wrong and they learned from that very quickly and i think to your point trevor even now with the model 3 production they're doing things that have never been done before for both this company and for pretty much almost any manufacturer for automobiles around the world and they're doing it in a way where they're quickly trying something if it doesn't produce the results they're looking to yield they change it and they're willing to take a step back and go maybe the full-on automation we're seeking in this part of the line isn't really as effective as we had hoped let's go back to doing it with people one also observation from the uh, from the video from him in the uh, the SX assembly lines was they were talking about the speed at which the conveyor belt was moving with the people putting on various parts in the car. And they were saying that, you know, is this about one mile an hour? And Elon said, actually, it's closer to 0.6. But they're trying to get the Model 3 line that will soon be around one mile an hour. So that's even little insights you think about, well, really, they're really pushing the limits with the, the general assembly lines for Model 3 because they're trying to get it to be where they can get the cars out as fast as possible, but also making sure they're adhering to their safety standards and to their uh, quality of their cars. Yeah, well, one of the things I have to point out, too, is that, um, and I've been paying attention to what Elon's been saying for some time now about the production line, is they're trying to optimize not only the velocity, but also the 3D space. So they're trying to uh, take more into account, you know, can they go more vertical? Like in in the Model 3 um, production line, it's actually two levels. So a lot of the cars move along the top and they can deliver parts from the bottom because that's more efficient use of space rather than trying to move things between aisles and stuff. So, um, yeah. Anyhow, let's move on. We'll uh, get to the next part here. Uh, One of the other parts that came out of the interview, of course, was talk about the Model 3 performance mode that's coming to the cars via software update. Uh, Basically, they're calling it uh, track mode. And it will be hugely driver configurable. Uh, Ian, I want you to to jump in here and uh, give everybody what you think the rundown will be because he seemed to explain it a little bit more. I thought it was going to be just like a little switch. It's just track mode. But apparently, we're going to see a lot more stuff in here. This sounds mental. I mean, I am really excited about this because I, I was just thrilled that we were getting a track mode. The very fact that we're going to be able to drift a Tesla for the first time, because it's one of the few things, I've said it a few times, that drives me crazy about these cars, is you can't defeat the stability control. I mean, they do drift a little. I mean, I've been in an S out in the winter, you know, and it, it gets its groove on, and it doesn't, you know, it's not completely <laughs> completely static in terms of its motion, but you can't really do much in terms of moving it around. And as somebody likes to go out and have fun in the winter, I thought, well, okay, we'll have to live with that. And bang, you know, like um, then we got this glorious tweet from from Elon telling us, yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Then the Road and Track article came out where they took the thing to Lime Rock and beat the snot out of it and gave us a fantastic description of how it operates. And now it just gets better and better. So it sounds like not only do we have track mode, but we'll actually be able to adjust many of the parameters. Um, some of the things that were hinted at was, I imagine, the degree of yaw that you can you can adjust, um, the amount of regen front and rear. Like it sounds to me like that'll be adjustable. I mean, in ice cars, there's never been an electric car that's had that, and even in ice cars, the only thing I can think of would be cars like the Nissan GTR, Mitsubishi Evo, where you have adjustable differentials where you can you know switch the torque back and forth. But this, I mean, with two independent drivetrains the possibilities are limitless and i mean the crazy part of it all was it sounds like we can even adjust the thermal limits for the cooling system Mm -hmm. so like if you're out there lapping and after lap three four it starts to back off the power and you're like no 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 i gotta go catch that you know rs5 or something at the top of the hill poof you know just crank up the thermal limit you can do that i mean this is a 180 degree change in philosophy from where they were controlling everything super tightly to saying, okay, here you go. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Knock yourselves out. Just if you blow it up, it's on you. 
Um, speaking wow. of speaking of which, I want to see what that screen's going to look like because, of course, if you go to in, insane or ludicrous mode, no, it's ludicrous mode, and you do the battery heating says, you know, do you want to enable this? No, I want my mommy. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see what the <laughs> what kind of fun they're going to have with that screen, you know, to enable some of these features on the Performance Model Three. So. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be super exciting to see exactly how it all works. But I'm, I'm with you, Trev. I think there's a lot more that's going to be opened up than than we were expecting, and it's it's a good direction for them. Again, uh, you know, I have very few peeves with Tesla in general, but they're they're sort of closed loop society, which is you know very Apple like and like okay, we know best, and we're going to control it, and you'll like it the way it is. This is changing with Performance Model Three. It's a very interactive car where they're they're letting us. They're letting us have a lot of fun with it. They're giving us, they're giving us some groove here. Yeah, that's really awesome. I, I, I think the other point we have to keep in mind too is that Tesla tends to have a little bit of a leapfrog mentality when it comes to things. Like they'll they'll do one tech and then they'll move on to another car and then that tech shows up in that car. And um, so I think what's going to see here is that we're what we're seeing here is either stuff that's coming from the next gen road roadster uh, from uh, development that's going into the performance model three or vice versa stuff that's actually happening in the model three that's going to be put into the roadster and of course as usual this stuff will make its way to the rest of the car so it bodes well everything that they learn today is going to be put into future cars so when they get around to updating the model s performance whatever it is uh, that thing we should see some pretty uh, crazy things happening with that car eventually too and I'd be remiss if I didn't add, think about how great the cars were when they first came out several years ago and how even with the iterations we're seeing today, how incredible those cars are, they're still finding ways to add improvements, whether they're aesthetic, whether it's performance or anything else. Tesla has been for the longest time ahead of the curve with many other manufacturers of electric vehicles, and they're still finding ways to stay ahead. So with the, the engineers, the software developers, I mean, everyone who's got the hands in designing these cars is doing everything they can to make sure that they, they stay on top, which is just incredible to think about when the cars themselves are like, oh, this car is great. And you go, we have a way to make it better. It's like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, I could always use a little bit more performance here and there. I mean, a little software update, you want to just throw me a little solid, that's always good. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you know before we began the show, uh, Beverly came over and said, oh, by the way, I was driving your car today and there was a software update and I, it was nagging me, so I had to get dismiss it. So you can bet after the podcast, I'm going to go and press the install button. Uh, speaking of which, Tesla, if anybody's listening down there, please, please give us the release notes before we apply the software updates. I want to see exactly what's going on here. I know you make it sound like it's Christmas Day and, you know, unwrap your <laughs> gifts and then find out after the fact, but this is software. We'd really like to see what you're changing before we do that. So anyways, that's I'm just putting my little piece out there. Yes, Michael, go ahead. While we're at it, let me start the update from my phone so I don't even have to wait five more seconds to get Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. First world problems, right, Mike? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, next little bit here. Model 3 production surpasses uh, 6,000 cars per week. This is according to Bloomberg. Um, there's an article on here. Um, actually, it, it, you guys have taken a look at this, the Tesla Model 3 tracker built by mm -hmm. uh, Tom Randall. Um, according to their production numbers, um, they're estimating that the Model 3 is exceeding 6,000 cars per week. I'm looking at the website right now. They're showing 6,278. Um, they had actually asked me um, today to try and put out a tweet there because they have a VIN tracker as well. So if we can get some updates out there for people that have got orders or who just recently got their VINs, you can go to this website. I'll put a link in the video description or in the podcast notes. Uh, you can go and visit this and submit your actual Model 3 VIN. What it does is that it helps them track uh, quite accurately um, the production ramp that's that's ongoing here. So uh, this, is, this is looking really good. I mean, this S-curve is certainly taking off like crazy uh have you guys you guys had a chance to take a look at this mm -hmm. yeah let's see here uh tesla registered vins yeah it's a combination of vins registered with nitsa bloomberg estimates for model 3 production of course the vin numbers have exceeded a hundred thousand now of course not production uh but the numbers are certainly over a hundred thousand now so uh anyways i'll leave it out there you guys can take a look at it um it's interesting to keep an eye on this as far as what's going on, I don't see any other salient points I can really notice on here. They're just kind of pointing out some of uh, Tesla's productions versus their targets and stuff. So anyways, check it out when you can. It's quite interesting. 
Uh, let's see here. Moving on. Uh, is Elon at the fraying point? This comes from the New York Times. Now, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this whole situation because we have a situation here where the New York Times is looking for clickbait. Um, they've not always been very friendly to Tesla. And uh, it certainly painted him not in the best of light. Um, and, of course, then we had the Marquez Brownlee interview that happened you know, shortly around that same time. He seemed to be pretty good uh, spirits as far as that's concerned. So I think a lot of this is coming down to the point that, you know, you've got a lot of irons in the uh, irons in the fire. Yeah, I guess that's probably the best way of putting that. Um, did you guys have a chance to, to read this this crazy article? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I read it stem to stern, and it's funny. I caught some of the um, the strong critiques of it prior to reading the article. So I got, went in expecting a total slaughter, and I didn't find it that bad. I mean, um, well, going back and rereading it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It's it's there's elements, sources you know? familiar with the matter that was repeated yeah. like I don't know how many times in this crazy article. It's like yeah, okay. no, no, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they 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 got the right flavor or angle on it because like almost any uh, mainstream media news story on Tesla, it always tries to frame it as the company you know is always teetering on the brink and it's run by a madman and it's you know it's like you know is it a house of cards and blah 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 and it it. 90% of the time neglects the incredible fact that they even exist. I mean, you know, if you really know the story, where they came from and all the things they've overcome and the fact that they're so successful, despite all the challenges, that's really the foundation that you have to build the story on. And then the levels of stress, you know, including the, what the CEO is going through this year, all kind of makes sense. I mean, that's the context that the story needs to sort of rest on, I, I think, because none of the stuff that they're stating, I don't think they exaggerated you know, Elon's state of mind. He himself has said, you know, this has been an incredibly stressful year. It's going to leave some scars and whatever all else. Yeah, I, I get that the man's tired, you know, and he's really cranking the limits. This is a guy that hardly sits around to begin with. And, you know, he's really going 127% right now. So I don't think my impression of what they wrote was not exaggerating his physical or mental condition. But what's disappointing is they don't put the achievement in, in perspective, you know, they don't, they don't base it on the achievement. In other words, here's what he's been able to do. That's why he's like this. It's just kind of like, well, you know, is this the right guy for the job? Hello? Well, do I you think, not see where they've come from to well, get to this point? You know? I, I think in some cases, I mean, one could make a case that te that Tesla could really use a COO, a chief operation of opera. Op Cheap operating officer. Sorry, it's tongue tied there for a second. Uh, much like the employee with SpaceX, when you got Gwyn Shotwell, who's really running the show down there. Elon's allowed to go into the back with the engineers, do his thing. And, you know, one could make a case that Tesla really could use something like that to let Elon go and be Elon where he needs to be, rather than having that on his shoulders, plus all these other things. Um, you know, for the time being, uh, you know, he wants to be the center of attention and doing his thing at Tesla, and that's all great. Um, but I think. You know, I don't think they need a CEO. They don't need to replace Elon. But they, they really should take some of his responsibilities and shift them to somewhere else. Michael, you want to throw something in here? Yeah, I was, I was going to say similar. I think, you know, you look at an Apple when they had Steve Jobs and Tim Cook as COO. It, it could be a, a need for them. Probably one um, of the best teams of all time. Yeah. I, you know, I love Elon Musk. I will follow wherever he goes, um, whatever he does. But... Some of it's self-inflicted as well. Um, if oh, you sure. go back to the uh, Marcus Brownlee interview, they started talking about a $25,000 car that could be a couple of years away. Oh, they didn't need to talk about a $25,000 car that could be a couple of years away when they have a Model Y, a pickup truck, a semi, and a Roadster as well. And uh, the Model 3 hasn't left North America yet. So, yeah, the, see, the COO role could probably help with that. And then that would probably be a benefit for them. But, um, you know, replacing the CEO, that would be crazy. I mean, he's, he's the face of the company. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think a, a, a salient point you're making there, Michael, is really just how dedicated he is uh, to his craft, to his work. And, you know, we talk about, obviously, in this, on this show, we talk mostly, obviously, about Model 3 and Tesla. But even talking about just the man himself, how much work he does, just even with other products, like last year with hurricane season, we had uh, the power project he put in Puerto Rico to help the power grid there. We know the work that they're doing uh, in the uh, Pacific region with um, 
uh, Australia with their power grid and among other systems. We know the rescue effort that happened uh, with the boys uh, overseas. We hear the stories about, you know, all the stuff he does with SpaceX, with the Boring Company. I mean, he is a visionary unlike anyone we've seen before, and he's really pushing the envelope each and every day to do things that are ideally kind of make or break, because if they don't succeed, if these various projects these various companies don't succeed then you know we really are set back with human exploration into vast deep space we're set back with uh sustainability efforts in climate change which that's a whole different thing that's coming up now in ontario but you know we're we're at a point <laughs> yeah yes. we're, we're at we're at a point where he I, to me from again this is just my own observation my own personal opinion he feels like if he doesn't do this who else is going to do it, number one? And number two, if he fails, he feels like humanity's in trouble. And I think that's a, an immense amount of pressure for any one person to carry, much less a team of people to have to burden. And that's, you know, yeah, and when you're when you're under that kind of pressure, you might say or do something that's sort of off the beaten path and maybe is sort of unexpected. But I think at, at the end of the day, I sleep better at night knowing that I'm doing something on my own, driving his car, that is trying to make the planet better. And I think others would be best served to want to see him and his companies succeed. Because to me, if you don't, you're sort of against the success of our planet. That's, again, my personal opinion. And I know there are a lot of people that look at the market just for their own personal gravitas. But to me, what he's doing is something to be lauded and celebrated, not contradicted. Very well put, Eric. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Excellent. Ah, uh, well, which brings us a little bit of a segue here because there's some changes going on. Of course, we know that Tesla has intents or Elon has intents on uh, attempting to take Tesla private. And uh, he tweeted out, and there's a there's another article here, uh, courtesy of Bloomberg, where Elon has hired or Tesla has hired Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs um, during the process of trying to take them uh, private. So uh, it looks like there is some stuff going on. Of course, you know, there's also an SEC investigation going on about the whole Twitter thing, but I, I don't think that's really going to particularly go anywhere. We'll, we'll see what transpires with that because, um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a specialist in that kind of stuff. It's just I, I just don't see anything going with that. So it looks like there's some movement on this, on this front. Again, um, uh, you know, taking Tesla private is based on being able to secure proper funding, investors, that type of thing. And, of course, the stock hitting at least 420 dollars per share so that's a story that's developing we'll keep an eye on it just want to keep you abreast of what's going on we're not going to you know believe the point here too much today uh let's see here what else oh this is a big one uh so on twitter someone had asked elon let me just pull up the uh, tweet here just so that i get this stuff straight here someone named ben um aslan allen allender Sorry if I messed up your name. He says, uh, love is P3D. Any chance of getting video streaming, Netflix, YouTube to watch while charging? And Elon said, very simply, version 10. So looks like we're going to get some kind of video streaming services uh, in the distant future. Now, I want to make a point here. Um, Tesla software updates come fairly frequently as point updates, but the major updates usually take couple of years so we're still haven't seen version 9 yet and the release cycle seems to be about every two years for a major update so we're currently on version 8 uh, version 9 is coming sometime next month uh, early access people out there that have you know some of them uh, last I heard is about a thousand people in the early access program um, they're certainly uh, uh, playing around with version 9 I would I would expect at this point and uh, supposedly coming out for wild release. So I, I know that some people were saying on Twitter, oh, isn't it coming out this month? It's coming out this month. I said, no, no. He said early access this month, wide release and sometime September. So uh, just to reiterate, there, there are some changes coming in version 9, which is supposedly some updates to autopilot. Um, supposedly, hopefully, the dash cam feature that everybody's been asking about for the last two years. Um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Oh yeah, of course the Easter eggs. Of course, we're all waiting for the for the video game thing. Um, yeah, you so, know, Trev, um, firmware ten can't help but think. You know, the tweet asked about watching videos while charging, but maybe there's more to that answer. The V ten could be full self drive. Well, there's watch all something on the screen while the car is driving you. Well, yeah, I, I would I would expect that none of this stuff is is during movement. I mean, you have to be parked somewhere and stuff. So, no, uh, unless it's self -drive. completely full self drive. Yeah. 
Well, Who anything knows? is possible when you have full self-drive, but full self-drive yeah. is still not here yet, and we haven't seen right. we haven't seen the full plan yet. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Trev. Aren't we supposed to start seeing just the very, very first uh, FSD features in firmware nine? We're we're already starting to see some improvements, of course, in the current version of autopilot on ramp, off ramp, that type of thing. We're supposed to see some more of that stuff come for enhanced autopilot. The full self driving. He said some of the components from full self driving are supposed to show up as early as version nine. Uh, mm. What they are, we just don't know yet until it actually shows up. Release notes. Yes, exactly. Yes. So we're waiting for release notes. So as with anything, please take um, these comments with a grain of salt, of course, when, especially when it comes to Elon and Elon time as far as when this stuff happens. We have no idea when this is coming, but I would suspect it's going to be at least two years before we see this. Um, well, it could and be bear, a year and a half. but I was going to say, and bear in mind, this is a very important point here. Name the number of car companies that you can <laughs> publicly talk to on Twitter where you're directly talking to the CEO and one of the chief engineers and saying, hey, why can't my car do this? Where that person responds going, okay. And then all of a sudden, mass hysteria happens on Twitter. We're like, he said, what? We're going to get what now? Oh, my God, it's amazing. That's Tesla. And so for me, it's like, it's even if it comes in version 9, version 10, if it's in two weeks or two years, these are things that are literally being explored. And think about if, when the number of suggestions that come through Twitter with, with owners and oh, prospective yeah. owners of, you know, can my car do this, this, this. Imagine if they do 2% of them and how many of those turn into actual features within the course of a year or so. So it's, it, is, it is amazing what, what uh, this creates in terms of the hysteria and the excitement and everything else. But, like, slow your roll people you already have a fantastic car updates are coming down the pipeline i mean our model threes now can honk a horn michael was ecstatic when he's like i know what my car is like i know what my car is like i was at a meet i was at a meetup this past week and somebody did that too he just walked out of the car he came up to me and he just went and the car went honked and he was all smiles i thought sometimes it's the simplest things in life it is the little things uh yeah um like folding mirrors you know, uh, before we move on to the next bit here, which is also a segue, uh, I just want to put something out here. Um, my thinking about this was, the first thing I thought about this is, who's going to pay for the data? Right? Streaming services. I mean, is this going to be included in our data plan? Do we have to tether? Does it have to be Wi-Fi? These are all questions we don't know about yet. Well, I know we, we do. I was going to say, we know the premium internet plan now is like myself and Michael are grandfathered in. Yes. Uh, but those who take delivery now would actually get it for the first year for free. But maybe there's a cap on that. Who knows? We'll mm. see. Yeah. So speaking of which, that brings us to the next little bit, because uh, I think Michael had a bit of an exciting week this week. <laughs> you tell us a little bit about that, Michael. My phone has never vibrated as much as it did a few days ago. It, did, so it I... didn't melt, did it? No, uh, I think the battery died. <laughs> I did a tweet to Elon, as I normally do, expecting no answer, but fun anyway. And I, I said, uh, it would be great if the, or, you know, pretty please, could the Model 3 get calendar integration so the navigation could be predictive? And I hop in the car and it says, hey, you got to go to the doctor's office. Here's where it is. Or a meeting for work. And he said, coming soon. And then my phone went crazy. <laughs> and it's amazing, and I'm, I'm guilty of this too. As soon as he replies to anyone's tweet, the number of tweets asking, as Eric said, additional features that yes. come in, that's why your phone blows up. It's a, it's a million people asking, thinking you might still be there asking. It's, it's just incredible. But uh, awesome. Uh, not just having a reply, but you know, like Eric said, he's there, he's looking, he's reading it, he's, he's responding, and uh, our cars just keep getting better. It is an awesome feeling when Elon tweets and you get the responses back. But yes, of course, it is true. Um, if you ever have a question for Elon, the best time to catch him is as soon as he does a tweet. And I usually find Sundays are sometimes the best days. He seems to be a little bit more downtime. He's a little bit more active on those days. So if you ever have a question for Elon, that's the best time uh, to get a hold of him. So yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, I mean, that's a feature, of course, we have on the S and the X, and it is something that I use. I get in the habit of putting everything in my phone as far as calendar appointments and putting in um, addresses and stuff of, of places that I need to go. And I have that function turned on on the app on the phone. It syncs to my car. And when I get in to go somewhere, it's already waiting for me on the screen. I just tap and it just puts it in. So it's a great feature. And I think uh, those of you who have Model 3 and that would like to have that feature, you're really going to like it. So. Hey, so, good segue. Trev did... Elon replied to one of your tweets. Yes, he did. Uh, well, that's the other part of this conversation here. Um, I happened to be up. I was sitting in bed this morning at about 6.30 in the morning, and I saw Elon tweet a little bit of poetry. 
and I thought, what the heck are you doing at 3.30 in the morning? You should be sleeping. So I just tweeted at him. Uh, I said, uh, you know, dude, shouldn't you be in bed? It's 3.30 in the morning at your time. But I thought I'd take the opportunity to also throw in a little extra, mm, what about this little feature? Because we have a friend on Twitter. Uh, his handle is 28 Days Later. He's he's really funny. <laughs> he tweets a lot. Um Anyways, really funny guy. And he has been asking Elon for like the longest time to have geolocated folding mirrors on the Model 3. He had a problem where he had backed into a hose reel. And I don't think this is really, you know, sort of the impetus for this this tweet. But he has a problem where he needs to fold his mirrors to be able to put it into his garage. As do many people, of course. Ryan McCaffrey is another one, of course. Uh, he has a small garage. He needs to be able to fold the mirrors. So having that geolocated, much like the air suspension um, on an S or an X that our cars are equipped with that, or even the uh, home link on the on the garage door uh, to be able to be able to open and close your your garage or your gate, that would be a great feature. Of course, there would have to be some restrictions on there in terms of speed and stuff like that, so that it would just you know. So, uh, anyways, so I, I took the opportunity. Just rounding back here, what I was saying, I took the opportunity to throw that in there on his behalf, and lo and behold, Elon responded, and he said, "Okay, two letters." Now, does that mean okay? I'm going to bed. Because I suggested to him go to bed, <laughs> or okay on the features, uh, is it both one or other or both? We don't know. So I just responded to him and I said, "Well, either way, good for you." <laughs> Let's take a poll and see what the survey says. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it might, well, well, I know I know your feeling because it, it happened to me recently too. Because I had another tweet that he had responded to, and my phone literally was hot. Um, actually, and I'm not going to blame it on him too, but I was having some problems with my phone this week where the battery, I could literally watch it draining 1%, 2%. It was like, it was crazy. I don't know. There's some kind of background process. Make a long story short, I had to reset it and just get it all. It's all working good now, but it was a little bit crazy. Um, so yeah. That's, that's funny you say that. My phone actually froze and crashed later that day. So I wonder if that's related. <laughs> Elon Twitter is going nuts in the background. Yeah, it's it's the Elon melting phone effect. I think yeah. I I think at one time I, he did tweet something and I responded. I said I think I I said I think you owe me a new phone because it blew up my phone. <laughs> but, well, but, I, but but wait till September because the new iPhones are coming. <laughs> That's right. Don't buy a new iPhone X yet. Just wait. No, 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 no. no. Wait, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I want the big one. I will. Uh, I will say now that Ian and I are the only two on this show that don't have a tweet from Elon. Uh, we got some work to cut out for us. Yeah, man, you're setting the bar pretty high here. Here we are, these these lower Slobobians here. We're just your, we're your time. Here on the your show. time will come, Ian. Trust me. When you get your car, you'll have plenty of questions for Elon and lots of suggestions. So I have no fear that you will get some kind of response eventually. I do. I do find interesting though. There there are some tweets he responds to where it is a, a good diatribe. It's it's a good explanation of something. But you guys got a simple like, uh huh. <laughs> okay. I'm like he he didn't have time for your stuff. He's just like he's very passive. Like all right, yeah, got it. You know, I'll put something out there, and I think I think the one of the best ways to get a, a response out of Elon, and it's just just anecdotal, but I, you know, I think you can kind of prove it for yourself. Uh, what really works is to always ask him a question in context with something else, right? You say, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're having a great day today. You're in good moods, and then throw in the question. That seems to get his attention more than just asking mm-hmm. for a question. I don't know. That's just me. It seems to work. Ah, all right. Well, let's move on here. Uh, company tests Model 3 power at different rate, uh, states of charge. This is according to uh, an article by Clean Technica. Well, we happen to know this person. Uh, this is uh, Sasha Anna. So he lives about 15 minutes away from me. Um, if you look through my YouTube channel, you'll see a video that I did about, mm, about a month ago or whatever. I uh, went to have a look at some of his parts that he's working on for his, uh, his. Uh, he is just a regular uh, first production Model 3, but he's done a bunch of uh, upgrades to suspension and brakes. And um, it's quite interesting. He managed to, uh, he has a dyno down there, and you put the uh, Model 3 on the dyno, and uh, did some tests at different uh, charge levels. So he would basically start at, uh, let me just see here. Uh, started with a 15% state of charge and then stepped up the charge 15% at, uh, at a time and kept doing runs. And one thing that he noticed, of course, was, um, as usual, of course, that the power would sag at lower states of charge, which is kind of typical. Um, he said, uh, you always get the same amount of torque up until the point of peak power, and the lower the battery is, the lower the, pa- uh, the pa- uh, power caps off. Then from that speed, which uh, we have to figure out exactly, but it's about 50 to 60 kilometers per hour, and that's a notice reduc- uh, noticeable reduction in power. 
So let's see here. What else here? Uh, on the horsepower front, he says, uh, for example, a Model 3 at 30% state of charge puts out 295 horsepower. A full 15 uh, horsepower less than the same Model 3 at a 45% state of charge. Some interesting numbers here that Sasha's been able mm -hmm. to play up with. So Yeah, I was kind of shocked by that result because, I mean... Um... The only time I spent behind the wheel of the three I, was probably around, I'm trying to think in Yo-Yo's car, I think he had around 70-80% SOC. So it, it felt as sprightly as I expected it to based on the numbers. And having spent several days driving around in threes with different SOC, uh, not threes, sorry, Model Ss, um, I never noticed that phenomenon. You know, they just felt kind of quick all the time but um what i really want to hear from is our two model three owners have you guys noticed this because i'm looking at the power curves and it's really significant when you get below 30 40 percent like it's the top of the curves dropping off mm -hmm. <clears throat> I, I have noticed it just because i i drive uh, a great distance and i don't charge the car each and every night i don't have a garage to charge the car and um you know for me it's it's one of those things that at first, I was kind of taken aback, but then I really kind of just, if you think in terms of common sense, if your car is trying to make sure you're getting to your destinations, whether it's a charging station, your business, whatever it is, if it's trying to be more conservative with your energy as the battery drains, then yeah, you're going to actually take a little bit on performance, but then you're getting at least the range on the car. And I think at that point, when you're looking at those who are concerned about, well, is my car going to be able to make it from A to B? Yes, as your as your battery starts to drain, the car is going to go. Let me let me conserve some of this energy for your range. So you can make sure you get to where you're trying to get to, and not worry about you know the very quick acceleration and, and that sort of thing. That's just my two cents. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a bad one to try to answer. My car's been below fifty percent twice in over six months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that would automatically kick you out of the survey. You know, the only times I've really pushed my car is, of course, when we went on our vacation for Vermont. I've got that puppy down to about 3%. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's where you want to be. You you, you got to push the limit there. You know, like Kramer in, in the famous episode where he goes below <laughs> E. That's the test of a man. Excuse me, sir. Would you like the insurance on this rental car? Oh, yes, because I'm going to beat the hell out of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the lowest I've taken my car, I believe, was about 16 or 17 percent. So mm. I've, I've had it down there. No, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just to go back um, on your theory, Eric, I'm not sure if the car is actually um conserving power in order to preserve range if i look at because otherwise it would be doing it right across the curve it looks like as Trevor pointed out up to about 30 miles an hour it's still producing full torque what seems to be happening is it can no longer generate the current to sustain full power at higher rpm so i think it might just be the amount of available current or hmm. voltage you know i don't you know again i'm a bit of a noob when it comes to what the restricting factor is as the soc drops is it more current limited or voltage limited but it would seem to be the car just can't quite eke it out so i don't know if it's in, intentional uh, in in terms of the range strategy i i have seen that i know like um in the case we have a chevy spark ev at work and the car once you reach about 10 percent soc it really shuts down like it starts killing all of the uh, hvac stuff it shuts off the heat it shuts off ac it reduces the power by about 40 percent. so it's actively doing that to make sure you make it home but this is a car that's got 130 kilometers of range to begin with um, I don't know that anyone's ever described it as happening to that extent with, with any of the Teslas. Hmm. Interesting. I know what we need to do, Ian, is uh, when you get your performance Model 3, there's going to be a little bit of road trip down to my area, and we're going to pay Mr. Sasha a little uh, visit. If oh, you're hell so, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to put that thing on the dyno. <laughs> Whoa, with this car is going to be one continuous set of experiments. If I list everything that everybody on the forum wants me to try with different wheel and tire sizes, I'm going to be busy for two months. <laughs> because, you know, like, you know, there's lots of people in the U.S. have got uh, Performance Model 3, but I haven't seen one on the dyno yet. So um, nope. we need that one in Canada so that we can uh, take take it uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. I'll make it work. Um, oh, yeah. No, yeah. no. Uh, just one little extra note here uh, in the article. It says, uh, he said that farther up the charging scale, they found that uh, above 90%, the performance essentially flattens out. So there's little uh, to no benefit uh, to performance from charging the car any more than 90%. Besides, it's not even good for the battery. So Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, 
carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. The last little bit to talk about tonight is uh, Model 3 is the most efficient EV on highways. This is, again, another article by Clean Technica. They're basically saying here that according to the EPA highway efficiency ratings, Model 3 efficiency in highway conditions, 123 MPGE, that's mile per, uh, miles per gallon equivalent, which is a strange way of putting things, but hey, you need some kind of metric, um, is better than that of the Hyundai Ioniq, which uh, had 122 miles per gallon E. Um, a much smaller and lighter and less powerful EV, uh, which uh, which has much lower range, of course. So, uh, yeah, kind of interesting. Now, of course, City, of course, um, not quite as good. I'd be curious to see how the all-wheel drive variant comes out, because we know that we're dealing with two different motors. One is geared for highway, and the other one's you know more uh, geared for city driving, um, to see what kind of um, MPEGE we're going to get out of those. So, again, haven't seen any official testing on that. Um any other little bits on here? Ian, did you have a chance to uh, to peruse this a little bit? I did. Um, yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, the Ionic um, got fantastic reviews for its efficiency, and, and deservedly so. For a company that's not really recognized as being an EV leader, uh, Hyundai really knocked it out of the park with their efficiency on that car. And I had one for a weekend, and I was, I was pretty impressed with it. And it certainly delivers more than the advertised range. I beat the crap out of the car for two days, and I got... 200 kilometers advertised, not not babying it, but driving it hard and having some fun with it. Um, but you're you're never going to beat the aerodynamics of the three. I mean, you know, Franz went completely crazy optimizing this thing, and like when it comes down to it, that's everything on highway is all about drag. I mean, doesn't the weight of the car doesn't really significantly affect things. Uh, rolling resistance to the tires would be the next, but but the aero is everything, and I think that's where it wins. Um, and it has, of course, the super efficient um, permanent magnet switch reluctance motor. Having said that, uh, to, to your point, Trev, I don't expect anything miraculous with dual motor. I'm almost certain we're going to lose range on both dual motor and certainly on the performance cars because wah, you're wah, adding... Wah. Yeah, I know. I hate to be, but again, this this was clear when we start when we watch Tesla start goofing with the EPA numbers when they actually asked mm -hmm. them to downrate it from whatever they achieved initially, which was like three hundred and twenty eight miles or something, close to three thirty, and they said no, rated at three ten. And I think the reason was is they wanted a 310 across the board for for rear wheel drive, dual motor, and then for performance. And I am certain that the dual motor car isn't going to get uh, the same numbers. And of course, we, we always tend to think on what we know so far from Tesla's history. The reason you got better performance with the dual motor S and X is because both of them are uh, standard AC induction motors, and they optimized um, the final drive ratio in each motor for certain, you know, certain speeds. So you could sleep one, the rear, sleep the front. You could get little performance boosts, efficiency boosts at doing that. In the case of the three, you're dealing with that switch reluctant um, permanent magnet motor and back, which is incredibly efficient. But up front, they decided to go with an AC induction motor again, and I don't. I just don't think that you can get the same efficiency out of it as you can uh, the permanent in the rear. So your best case scenario, I think, would be to sleep the front motor, just use the rear, but you're still pushing those extra axles and that motor around and 200 you know, odd pounds of hardware. So I don't think it'll be terrible. I, I think most people will still get the rated range because they were conservative to begin with, but I think we'll be a few percentage points down on the dual motor cars. So I would, um, I would add, for anyone who's a, a data junkie, Definitely get the Teslify app uh, if, oh, yes. if you have your car already or when you do get it. Um, I'm looking at a couple of my recent drives here right now. I can tell you most of the time if my average speed is somewhere in the 50 mile an hour range, I'm near 100% efficiency. I'm getting the, the stated range. Once that bumps up, I remember from a road trip I did and I, I averaged uh, 77, let's say, so a little bit less because I had to come to a stop at some point. But you get above 70 miles an hour, and my, my range hit about 83% efficiency. So um, I do have the sport wheels on the car. Yeah. I'm sure, sure that makes a factor versus having the arrows with, uh, with the arrow covers on. But 
but the highway speeds do take their toll on the car as does rain something i had never realized or thought about ian i'm sure you're all over that being the tire guru but uh, that was something that i didn't realize was an issue yeah until i saw it with an electric car yeah, that's that's the funny thing. You you any tiny little variant in the atmosphere, whether it's temperature, whether it's road surface, uh, whether it's you know wet snow plays hell with it. Anything you do to increase drag, friction, whatever, it, it shows up right away. It's stuff that we never notice with the ass cars because they're so inefficient to begin with. Uh, uh, bike racks on the back. <laughs> All right, there you go. Well, Great this is example. this is also something that was mentioned going back to the Marcus Brownlee video about side mirrors. And they were yeah. having it was oh, more yes. of the con- the conversation was focusing on Roadster, but they show you in that video one of the various tests they did with the car. I think it was a Model S they had inside the wind tunnel, and you could see when they were adjusting the wind flow, the airflow uh, in the video, just how much it changed oh, yeah. when it came in contact with the side mirror. So even even things like that. I, I, it was, as a matter of fact, you pointed out the the handle uh, twenty eight delays later uh, on Twitter. He had a, a link up earlier today. I want to say about um, that the side mirrors, you can leave them folded in, but once your car, I think it's at 31 miles per hour, they sort of open up again mm-hmm. um, automatically. But I think, you know, it's it's just stuff like that. Like any, they're trying now to find any way they can to number one, lower the drag coefficient, but number two, make the, the cars uh, more efficient for driving. Uh, so so I'm with you guys. You know, I, I, Michael, I know I've, I've sort of had this experience where, um, you know, when I go to up certain speeds, 70, 80 miles an hour, I definitely see the range affected a little bit. It's not so significant, I think, for some people, because um, I'm, again, used to just doing highway mileage. I know your highway speeds are usually around four miles an hour, according to your Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> so, so it's entirely possible. It's, it's, it's kind of your, it's, it's like your car is sort of confused, but m- most of my drive is at highway speeds of 75 and greater. So I've, I've found it so far for me. I've actually found it, even if I'm going 80, the range is not affected as much as some people are reporting. Uh, so it may just be because my car is used to driving at, at that speed already. Yeah, I was doing some so, experimenting. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, not to take us back to the MKBHD, but since you mentioned it, that was my favorite part of the whole thing. When Elon said mirrors are only required to be installed by the manufacturer, yeah, yes. he kind of hinted that there's going to be some kind of kit that they'll sell, and it's up to you to put it on. That was my takeaway, uh, <laughs> yeah. that you could rip the mirrors right off the car if you wanted to. Well, it's patently obvious. I mean, if you look at Tesla's history of doing prototypes, they never put mirrors on the prototypes, the Model X. I mean, it's, nope. just, it's just one of those things. They want to get rid of these mirrors. You can tell. Um, I was following, I think it was about three years ago, I was following a, a bit of a thread that um, Tesla was working um, behind the scenes to work with NHTSA or the government in the U.S. to try and get this law passed, this archaic law, uh, by today's standards, of course, to try to get these mirrors removed off the cars. And, of course, it seems to have stalled. I don't. I haven't seen any more activity on the thing. But every time you see a, you know, a prototype, whether it's the semi-truck or the Roadster, they, they never have mirrors on the darn things. So, yeah, it's pretty obvious. They want to get rid of these things. It does affect range. Everything affects range. I mean, I, we just went on vacation. I had the bikes on the back. At one point, I even decided to draft a truck. That made a huge difference in terms of efficiency. So, yeah, it's and going back to what you were saying, um, everything is accentuated with an EV. It's not like gas cars don't suffer from this. They do. It's just a little less noticeable. So, yeah. Hopefully they can uh, beat through through this. And um, anyways, it's getting a little late. I want to get through any um, last points on this thing before we call it a night. No. No. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. Well, I, uh, I I really want to go and watch Jay Leno's episode because apparently it has the new Roadster. So yeah, I'm just this is interfering right, with my it? with my Jay Leno time. So I want to get in there. Uh, so let's sign off tonight. Uh, I'll give you the chance here, uh, Ian. Why don't you go first and tell us where everybody can find you on the internet? Well, Twitter is where I spend most of my time, and that would be um, the handle is Man Hungarian, but the actual um, address is at Ian Pavelko. Um, Trev will be kind enough to put it up there, so I don't have to Always. torture. Spellard. And uh, we have, of course, the um, Matt Hungarian Evolve Wear t-shirt line, uh, where I am proud to announce for the first time in its two-plus year existence, we've added a new design. I love it. And I I wish I had an image to show you. I'll I'll put it up in post. 
Yeah, if you could do that, Trev, that would be cool. Um, it's the new theme is um, Model Three Weapon of Mass Adoption Ooh, WMA, <laughs> and I'll let uh, I'll let the picture speak for itself. So that's a new one that's available now in uh, all permutations of color and uh, and varieties. Uh, go check it out and let me know what you think of it. That'd be appreciated. Excellent. Really looking forward to it. Michael Bodner, where can people find you on the internet if they want to chit chat with you? <clears throat> you can find me on YouTube, Twitter. Facebook and Instagram, uh, Tesla Tunity. And reminder, shameless plug, this weekend again, I'll have that performance car video um, coming probably Sunday night. And I'll be spending the day with uh, Rafael, the Tesla Tino. And yes. uh, he'll be joining me. And we'll, uh, we'll be doing the video together. So it'll be a fun time. And of course, on the Model 3 Owners Club, SoFla Model 3. Excellent. Yeah, shout out to uh, Raphael. I, I, I fixed your Twitter thing there. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Last but not least, Mr. Eric Camacho, where can people talk to you? Well, there's so many places. Um, I'm on Twitter at ECFIX. That's E-C-F-I-X. And if you see me in, in person, feel free to come by and say hi. Great. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us on the podcast. If you want to follow me on the Internet, you can follow my Twitter feed. That's at Model3Owners. Don't forget to check out our forum at Model3OwnersClub.com. That is absolutely the best place on the Internet uh, to talk about Model3. I know there's a lot of people on Facebook, but that is really difficult to search. The forum is so much better. So that's my little plug out there. Last but not least, I want to say a big thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. They're the people that make this show possible. And with that, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you later. Goodbye. Good night. Good night.